Welcome to the Hayes Worldwide Leadership Insights Podcast. In this series, I'll be talking to business leaders from across the world of work who will be sharing their expertise to help you effectively lead your business, both now and in the future. According to the renowned American psychologist, Dr. Martin Seligman, there's a simple formula which can be used to boost happiness and well-being, the PERMA model. This formula is made up of five elements, which includes positive emotions, engagement, relationships, meaning, and achievement. So to help explain more about how we can apply this in the workplace, we're joined today by Gordon Tinline, business psychologist. Gordon will share his expert advice with us around how we can practically implement this model in our everyday working lives to really help boost both the performance and the well-being of our employees. Thank you very much for joining us today, Gordon. And before we begin, could you please introduce yourself to our listeners? As you said, business psychologist. So I've uh, I've worked in the field for, well, longer than I care to remember, but uh, over a quarter of a century, really, across organizations, mostly in the areas of combination of assessment and development, both for individuals, for teams, but actually quite a lot of work around well-being, psychological well-being in organizations and, uh, and resilience in organizations. And I found that positive psychology is, is one approach that I increasingly use to, to pull a lot of those threads together, really. So positive psychology has grown in popularity over recent years. Can you explain what it is in real terms and how it can help leaders and managers get the most out of their teams? Well, positive psychology is really when you study and put the focus on positive experiences and on flourishing. So what makes people perform at their best, feel good? And really it it arose from a lot of emphasis previously on negative experiences. And obviously we need to understand those as well, but lots of research about dysfunctional relationships at work, stress at work, people making bad decisions at work. And we do need to understand that, but there's a flip side. And the flip side is, do we know enough about positive experience and do we really understand it? So that's, that's really where positive psychology sits. So it sounds like the PERMA model, which I explained before, could be a really helpful tool for those listeners who are keen to further improve the engagement and well-being of their employees. I briefly summarized the model, but if you could provide a more detailed summary for us, that would be great. This is Martin Seligman's approach, really. And Seligman is very much one of the founders of positive psychology. So PERMA is an acronym. Uh, and as you said, it stands for, well, let's quickly go through that if, if that's okay. So positive emotions, clearly understanding uh, the importance of feeling good and the consequences of what happens behaviorally when we feel good. So we need to understand that better a lot of the time because not surprisingly in organizations, we, we do spend a lot of time on things that aren't going so well and lead us to feel bad. So really it's, it's an emphasis on that. Seligman talks about a state of flow. So it's that sense of I'm so engaged in something that I've almost lost track of time. You're really, you're really concentrating. Funnily enough, that often doesn't feel like hard work because you're enjoying it. You're enjoying the activity and the task. And it's understanding that and the benefits of that. Relationships, kind of obvious, but again, making sure we pay enough attention to the importance of relationships, building and maintaining positive relationships, both in the workplace and beyond, really. Meaning, sense of purpose. 
So the importance of staying connected to something that has meaning for you personally and how important that is for long-term well-being in particular and, and I would say for, for resilience, you know, when things go wrong, that's what, you, that's what you come back to. And then achievement. So again, making sure we fully understand goals, objectives and make sure we make the, the most of, of achievements and don't just discount them really. Thanks, Gordon. So let's start with the first element, positive emotions. What is meant by this in the context of work and how can leaders and managers help promote this in their employees? Well, I think there's a couple of things here. One is, is actually making sure we, we attend to positive experiences. You know, one of the things I, I observe in a lot of businesses and organizations is when things go well, there's almost this kind of sense of relief. Oh, we got away with that. Now, back to the stuff that's not going so well where we need to pour all our attention. And I don't know about you, but I, I don't know many people who are good at dwelling on the positive. And actually, that's understandable. We pay attention for, to negative experiences for, for lots of good reasons as well. But it's about really understanding the and recognizing the importance of spending some time on what's going well. And I think as a leader and a manager, making sure you draw attention to that, which is something that's it's easy to forget to do. Uh, you're too busy with, well, too much to do, full stop. But also often firefighting and reacting to things that aren't going well. And if that happens all the time, we can just discount and ignore the, the positive. You can actually end up with a distorted view of reality. You can end up feeling things are much worse than they are. So it sounds like the positive emotions element is about equipping your employees with the tools and mindset to deal with challenging scenarios more positively and constructively. Yeah, it's particularly important when, when obviously it's really challenging. No one feels positive all of the time. In fact, that can be a bit of a warning, actually. <laughs> but it's the balance, really. And I think as a leader, you can certainly think about, okay, do I do all I can with my team to make sure that they don't just gloss over what's going well? And we spend a bit of time understanding that, not just celebrating it, which is important and might come back to that with achievement, but also understanding it. So for example, there's a technique that people use now called appreciative inquiry, which is sometimes used in change management. That's about actually reflecting properly on positive experiences, which will have had you know, consequences in terms of feeling good, but to understand them better and learn from them. So I think that's the key really is if we don't attend to positive emotions, we're, we're missing an opportunity. In organisations, we, as you said, we learn from the negative situations what went wrong. But as you said, it's probably very important to ensure that you also learn key learns from what went right. Yeah, it's just a balance, really. It's, it's about, you know, trying to engineer that balance sometimes. What about the second element, engagement? Uh, what does this mean in the context of work? And again, what can leaders and managers do to help their employees feel more engaged? Engagement's been something we've put a lot of emphasis on and certainly large organisations for the last 10, 15 years. I think it's a bit of a mistake to think you can have people truly engaged on everything. And I'm not sure that's a good idea because you may get them fully engaged on stuff that doesn't matter much in terms of the value adds. So I think as a leader, you should think about where do I really want them concentrating, engaged completely? And then when you can identify that, I think it's very much about controlling distractions. You know, I think we all know in the workplace how many distractions there are. Uh, whenever you try open plan environments, whenever, whenever you try and concentrate and do something, there's a lot of frustration, isn't there, about, you know, I've had that on my to-do list for three weeks, 
but I just can't find the time and space to really concentrate. So I think as a leader, this applies to everybody, but certainly as a leader, what can you do to help your team to manage some of those distractions so they can properly focus on what's important? And actually, as a result, I would argue, they'll feel great about that because it connects with both positive emotions and achievement, really. And would you say this engagement element is all about helping employees find what they're passionate about and what drives them? Do you have any tips for managers who may struggle with this? It certainly helps, and we're getting into meaning here. I think the key tip is, is yeah, obviously understanding individuals and where you're likely to bring out their strengths. So I think actually a lot of work that's flown from positive psychology is, is strengths-based work. And that's about thinking, right, well, I've got, take a team approach. You know, I've got a lot to achieve with my team. Rather than just kind of farming that out randomly, or even sometimes giving people stuff that they're, they're clearly not very good at, Sometimes that'll happen, it's inevitable, but but doing all you can to say, okay, what are the strengths here? Do I understand my people in terms of where they feel great because they're energized and actually they perform well? And then if you can do all you can to allocate work to them that's going to play to those strengths, not surprisingly, you're going to get them more engaged. Easier said than done, because I think sometimes as a leader, you're so busy yourself that you just don't find the time. So I think one of the things is giving yourself space to be able to do that and actually recognising and realising that's not a luxury, that's really important to leading effectively. You touched on earlier this this idea that it's it can be very hard to concentrate in, in modern workplaces. I mean, there's so much technology, there's so many ways for people to reach you and communicate with you. Do you have any practical examples of how you can mitigate that and kind of use communication more effectively without it becoming burdensome? I think it is about time and space uh, to find where you can do work where you're you know, more likely to concentrate and, and get less distracted. For some, that's that's working at home occasionally. That doesn't work for everybody. Some people get more distracted at home than they do at work. And some people try, don't they? They sit in the, the office with, with the earphones plugged in. I, I don't think you want to do that all of the time, particularly as we come on to relationships. It's fairly antisocial. But actually, you do need to think about, if I really need, say you're doing some report writing, if I really need to concentrate properly, Finding a space when you can do that, negotiating a space, probably with your manager in particular, look, I need some time to do this. Can you, you know, help me to find that, that the right space for doing it? Also recognising that no one really concentrates for a long period without some breaks and, and sometimes doing some things, perhaps getting some fresh air and so on, that just keep the energy levels up. So I think those things will make a difference. But again, it's the, the discipline to be able to do that on a regular basis. And now the third element of the PERMA model, relationships. I think everyone listening to this podcast will appreciate the power of building strong and meaningful relationships at work. But how can managers help their employees do this? And actually, what role should they play in that? I think first and foremost, they should talk about relationships. And what I mean by that is, I mean, this is an old one, isn't it, in terms of the kind of task people focus. But there is still a risk that every conversation you have with your employees or with your team members is, have you done this? Have you done that? This is happening next. It's all task oriented all the time and not enough of how things are going with you, what's happening with you. Perhaps even, you know, you have to respect boundaries, but how are things going for you generally and have that natural conversation with people about, about how they are. And I also think it helps if leaders can express how they feel. Um, it's difficult to open up with someone who you feel is quite 
a closed book. Now, we're all different and it's, you have to be authentic, don't you, and true to yourself. But I think if you're able to express the fact that you find things difficult from time to time, that kind of gives permission for other people to say the same. And equally, the flip side of when you, you think this is going great and I feel really good about this. I think that helps. And of course, the other thing generally with relationships is make sure you stay connected to the people that really matter to you. So we've established that encouraging employees to build strong relationships with their colleagues and between managers and teams is important and how managers can support their team in doing this. But what impact do relationships outside of work have on our well-being and engagement at work? And is there anything our listeners can do to help their employees in this regard? I think this is about understanding the whole person approach. You know, this idea that you can shut off the rest of your life and just, just be you at work. And the other way around, actually, that when you go home, suddenly you can forget all about work is, you know, it just doesn't work like that, does it, for most people? You're, there's only one of you. There's only one person here. So I do think that the managers need to be open to um, what's going on in, in someone's life, not just what's happening to them when they see them in the workplace. That doesn't mean you need to intrude. It just means that you need to give permission, really, uh, in a sense of saying, look, Say there are things in the rest of your life that are difficult for you. If you've got a relationship with your leader, your manager, where you can say, just to let you know I'm struggling here, and this is perhaps why you, you might notice that, that things are, are, are difficult for me in terms of um, what I'm doing at work, it goes a long way because you feel it's a human relationship. You know, one of the best predictors of whether someone will stay in an organisation is, do they feel like their manager values them as a human being? not as a resource, as a human being. And if you've got that relationship, it goes a long way. And it goes a long way, unfortunately, if you don't. So I think it's really important. That makes sense. Thank you. And now the fourth element of the PERMA model, which is meaning. What does this element mean in the context of work? Well, it's about continuously articulating the vision and mission, but in a way that's, that makes sense to the people you're working with. Not just, you know there's the mission statement on the wall, let's all go and trot over and have a read of that. That's not a meaningful conversation. What I think it is about is saying, well, you know, constantly, what are we here for? What's our function? What's really important? And I feel this becomes particularly important for those that are non-customer facing. Because, you know, if you're interacting all the time with customers, clients, the public, if you're in the public service, you get quite a lot of meaning from the work you do for people directly. If you're in a support role or actually in a senior leadership role sometimes, you can be quite disconnected from that and you can forget about it. What that leads to, I think, is when you're doing your work, it's hard to connect that with what has a real impact on people. And if you're in that state for a long time, it just becomes something else to do and you, you don't find meaning in the work. So I think as leaders, particularly for those, as I say, um, who are in non-frontline roles, keep talking to them about the impact of the work. You know, what does it really mean? And, and what impact is it having? And if you can, show them that impact. The need to have meaning in your career is something that we, we frequently hear associated with millennials in particular. Have you noticed there's a bit of a, a generational difference in terms of, of who really needs to have meaning in their career? Or would you say it's the same across the board? Well, I'd argue it's always been important, but I do think there's a generational difference in terms of, I think younger people now, it's about their whole lives much more in terms of where what brings them meaning and it's about the values. 
And of course, the more it becomes about values, the more you're going to look for an organization, an employer that connects with your values. And if you find that, you'll give your best because your values fit with their values. If you don't, you're really going to struggle and you're probably not going to stay. And I think that's one difference. I think in the past, people tended to stay long past the point when they felt there was a good connection in terms of those values. So for me, that's one of the things that's clearly changed. So it sounds a little bit like helping our employees find meaning in in their work is also about understanding what motivates them and allowing and giving them insight into the bigger picture. Yeah, it is about that bigger picture. But as I say, it's it's kind of translating it. You know, if you go through particularly major change programs, I mean, I hear people saying things all the time in organizations, uh, not all helpfully, but, but one of the things that people will often say is they just haven't thought it through or they don't know what this means to me. And you know what? If it's a strategic change, that's, that's often true. It's being formulated for strategic reasons to work out what it means to individuals in terms of the nature of what they're doing every day. That kind of has to be co-created with the manager. So you need a good relationship to be able to do that. So when it comes to understanding meaning, it's the practicalities of that as well as, you know, something that's too distant for people and they can't connect to. And again, I suppose an underlying message here is you need to create as a leader the time and space to do that, particularly at times of major change. I'm beginning to see how all the um, all the elements of the PERMA model are very linked. Yeah, they do interact, yeah. Which brings me on to the, the final element of this model, uh, achievements. Instinctively, this feels to me like the element in which leaders and managers would have the biggest impact on when it comes to their teams. How can our listeners help their employees feel a sense of achievement and accomplishment at work? And why is doing so so important? Well, I mean, there's, there's one thing that's clearly been recognised now, I think, more than ever, which is the importance of good quality, frequent feedback. I think you're beginning to see a trend away from the annual appraisal, aren't you, towards more regular, informal feedback. And that's connected with this. That's connected with really understanding day in, day out, what you've achieved and the value in that. I also think people should think about upwards feedback here. So, you know, think about when was the last time I told my boss they were doing a good job? Now, you might think that sounds like you've been ingratiating, or I won't use other terms that might be used, but essentially, when you think about it, we don't do that much. And the result of that can be your boss might not know if they're doing a good job if they're achieving what they're trying to with you. So, you know, I think actually overall, as a, as a manager, I'd be encouraging my people to, to give me feedback. I think the other thing that's really important here is, is shared goals. I still find a lot of the time with teams, they're not good at articulating their shared goals. They've got individual objectives, but you ask them, yeah, but how does this fit together? What are your shared goals that you need to work on together? interdependently, if you like, and achieve together and celebrate together. And when that goes, actually, when it goes, you don't have a very good team usually. So uh, I I would think about that a lot as a leader, shared goals and teams and paying attention to those and celebrating success on those. Giving upward feedback and also uh, ensuring that teams aren't working in silos will also help with the relationships element, of course. Yeah, absolutely. As you can see, this is all interconnected. But exactly that, you know, people talk about that, don't they? They will this organization, people work in silos. Well, try moving out and talking to each other about what you're doing. But there's loads of reasons why that happens in terms of, I think, having too much to do most of the time. But yes, if you can articulate what you're doing as a team, it makes it easier to talk to other teams about what they're doing. If you can, it's very difficult. 
Thank you so much, Gordon. This has been really insightful. We have one final question for you, which is a question that we ask all of our podcast guests. What do you think are the top three qualities that make a good leader? Okay, well, not surprisingly, it's related to what I've said already. But I think the first one is find and emphasize positive results. You don't have to do that very regularly. In fact, it's actually most powerful when it's just done occasionally. But if it's not done at all, clearly, as I say, that's, that's not going to help in terms of well-being or performance. Um, so doing that, and you do, you do have to work at that and make sure that you pull attention towards that. That's the first. And the second for me is keep people focused on what makes a real difference. So that's my point about get them fully engaged on those things that really matter. And as I've said, for people perhaps who don't get feedback from customers, service users and so on, keep them connected to the difference it makes. And the last one's a bit of a cheat, really, because the, the last one is as a leader, as a manager, you need to manage your own perma. I think I'm cheating because that's five and in, in, in one, but <laughs> with the five, five areas. We'll allow it. But yeah, but what I mean really is um, that's not self-indulgent to think I need to look after myself in these areas first. If you don't do that, you're not going to be an effective leader. So, you know, I think that's essential. Thank you so much for joining us today. This has been a, a really insightful discussion. Thank you. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Hayes Worldwide Leadership Insights Podcast. If you found this advice useful, please leave us a review on Apple Podcasts. At the same time, if you have any questions or suggestions, feel free to reach out to us via email at socialmedia at hayes.com.com.